Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for, well, we used to call them the Boston Celtics, John, but... Man, they are not, not acting or playing like the Boston Celtics. You know, the lesser talented teams under the Brad Stevens era most recently played with a lot more heart and a lot more effort. Like, how about in the second half of a game, you close out on a three-point shooter for once? Like, the inconsistency is absolutely maddening. I'm coming in hard and fast because this plane is about to crash. I'm telling you what. I, I've seen people on Twitter. They're telling me to calm down. It was this bad last year. And then post-All-Star break, everything kind of came back together. We know the talent is there on this squad to be able to take home a championship. But you know what? As we'll title this show, and as it stands right now sitting here, I know this won't go out till Monday morning. We're recording bright and early Sunday morning. And I'm just going to say it. This Celtics team is annoying. <laughs> they are annoying. That, that, that may be putting it mildly. Uh, the last two games are emblematic, less so the Lakers game. I thought the Lakers game was one where, yeah, they let, that was a, a traditional left the foot off the gas. Uh, we're playing fast, free and loose. And, and not really coming back. We've seen that before. We saw last year Celtics do it. We saw t- two years ago Celtics do it. It happens. Okay. This isn't, that's not like the new thing. I think the issue is the joy, <laughs> the lack thereof. I mean, the stuff that Marcus Morris talked about, right? I mean, that's, that's where you say this isn't your average issue, right? That's where, that's where things turn to me. And I, you know, you look at the results. And the results have not been good of late. And both games that should have been won easily. Easily. The Laker game should have been a blowout. The Clipper game should have been a blowout. And the fact that the team, you know, gets at some point in that game, lets their foot off the gas, and then gets curb stomped. That's the issue to me. Um, I don't even know where to start with frustrations. You know, it's, it's team-wide malaise. How it's, are they not having fun? Awesome. I mean... I don't want to get into the Mook stuff until after we kind of do this Lakers Clippers analysis first, but seriously, how do they not have some fun? And, and so we'll, we'll, let's just talk about Lakers and Clippers and then we'll talk about what I believe is a major divide in that locker room. And that's the reason they're not having fun. Uh, and, and specifically how Mook characterized it, but. This Lakers-Clippers thing, like you said, two totally different games. But how do you almost have an 80-point first half and then just not be able to drop it in the pond at all in the second half? And really the issue, biggest issues were leaving three-point shooters wide open, literally just not closing out. And maybe there were some missed switches and things like that, but there was a lack of effort just getting out there like, oh, the lead's so big. And the next thing you know, there's four minutes left in the third quarter, and there's like a five-point lead. And you can just feel the momentum shifting immensely. That's very frustrating. I realize that Kyrie went down. I know there's a faction of the Celtics fan base that says, hey, you know, maybe Kyrie shouldn't be here anyway. Maybe we should keep Terry. Look at what happened last year. That'll all segue to the Moot comments, and then we have to talk about Kyrie's fragility as well um, because that obviously plays into some decision-making in the offseason. I don't want to feed all those monsters, but at the end of the day, it's like the same thing that happened in the Paul Pierce 
pre-acquisition era, nobody can get the buckets when they start to have the total stagnancy in the offense. When all of a sudden they can't get anything going, it's gone. Kyrie is the one who fills the gap in that. And the minute he went down with that injury in the Clippers game, the whole complexion of the game changed. That's kind of scary. Well, I would, I, you know, I'd almost push back on that and say that you could almost argue that the team looked more together and more free and loose as an offense when Kyrie wasn't in the game at all and the games he wasn't in. Uh, you know, the game I went to, the Hornets game. You mean they, from the start? Absolutely. From the start. You from know? the start. It's almost like when he's in, there's a different way that they play. Mm-hmm. And when he comes out, they can't adjust. But if they start the game that way, then it's a different game. Right. They they got locked in and like, oh, what do we do now? And it's, there was no switch in their mind that's like, oh, well, let's just play like he's not here at all and play fast. And I mean, that's its own issue, right? It's its own issue that that the way that they play with Kyrie is vastly different than the way they play without Kyrie. That's a problem, right, in and of itself. What do you think but, Brad thinks? You know, well, like, obviously this is bring as much talent to Boston. That's Danny's plan, and it's his job to bring them together. But you see what Brad does with these young guys, right? And they're all, you know, they're spunky and they're fighters, and they almost go to the – you know, the finals last year with all those injuries and then the vets are in here and they're having trouble with the chemistry and all of that. You know, you look at a guy like Doc Rivers who seemed to manage those big personalities so well in Boston, but just not meant for a rebuild, you know, and there is something to be said for, you know, two different coaches for two different situations. And I wonder if, you know, the star situation may be difficult for Brad. I mean, we can still talk about the Kyrie thing, but that's another piece of this, even though Brad kind of took it on his shoulders after the loss. All right, let's talk about Brad. I, I One, I'm not here to, to talk about – I'm not one – I don't see that Brad Stevens is the problem here, okay? I don't think we see uh, a guy show up here in 2014 and have the best coaching, you know, effort, I think – between 2014 and 2018. Bottom line, best coach in the league in that time. Maybe we could say Steve Kerr did all right too. But let's just say that. And all of a sudden he forgets how to coach. I don't, I don't think that's it. Um, and I don't think that he had Kyrie last year. He had Gordon Hayward no, last think, year. He I had, he but what, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me just, hold on, let me, okay, let me, sure. I'm, I'm going to get there. What I'm, what I'm saying is it's not that he forgot. I think it's the people who under him who forgot. I think it's, I think this has got to go to the players. I think this has got to go to the people who are, who are put in positions to do the job. You know, I mean, he doesn't make them forget how to play pick and roll defense, lose a guy and, and then have an open shooter in the corner. That, that's not on Brad. It's on the guys to, to want to play. You can't make, it's like the whole bringing the horse to water thing. He can't all make them, of them want wanted that. to play last year. All of them wanted to play last year. This is my point. Do you think that right. this whole dichotomy of the way that the roster is laid out and the fact that, you know, he's never really coached a star per se, right? He's, he's coached a lot of budding stars. You know, you could say Isaiah Thomas was a star, but that was an easy one because they couldn't get any offense without him, so they could just give him the ball. And there was a part of this team that was doing that with Kyrie last year, but then he got injured. And then this whole, what I would consider to be more unique to Brad, the way that the team would run the offense, like you said, starting the game without Kyrie is such a, that's a Brad structure to an offense, 
I'm not sure that the Kyrie structure really fits Brad's coaching style and, and what the players are doing around that. You know, the shared, the ball sharing is how Brad wants it to be. The only issue is to win a championship in amongst all that sharing, somebody's still got to be a go-to scorer. So they still need a guy like Brad. That's, I mean, a guy like Kyrie, that's where I think Brad is struggling. He doesn't know how to intermingle that and he doesn't know how to keep these guys and it could just be. Too much talent, too much age difference, and too much varied experience. I, but I, again, I think it's, I think it's the same issue. It's, you can tell them what to do, but they've got, they're the ones who've got to do it. I, I don't think that he's somehow running a different offense or he's somehow. Well, why do they do it in the one condition set because and they're not different in the player. other? They're different players now. They're different people now. They've been, no, they've I'm had, talking about just literally, like you said, the Charlotte game. How come in right. one game they play one way, because, and then in another game right. they play another way? That's bizarre to me. It is bizarre, but that and that shows you it's not coaching to me. That shows you it is the players that the players are playing differently. The players are attacking this differently. The players' mental approach is completely. Uh, but their roles up. change. Don't their roles change too? Like, don't you think this, let, you know what? Let's table this. This yeah. is the Kyrie conversation. Right. So let me remind everybody first, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live, as well as your host. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS media network at CLNS media, Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace. Finally, youtube.com slash CLNS media for high definition, full length locker room interviews, the garden report, the round table and us Celtic stuff live. You can find the video there if you really want to see my mug. And, uh, John, so let's, let's go to the Kyrie portion of this. Let's have the is Kyrie fragile conversation and does the fact that he's in and out of these games cause a certain bipolarity for the Boston Celtics that, especially with some of the young players, just not capable of shifting gears like that? Um, you know, until I, well, I, I don't see I don't think it's about the ability to shift gears. I think it's a question of they need to be able to do that. Right. They need like. Whether he goes out with an injury or, uh, you know, can't play this game versus that game. I mean, that, that was, we were talking about this, Fred and I were talking about this before the game. And, you know, it feels like they need to be able to make that, that switch where they're, they're at their best with Kyrie as part of that fold. They're playing for each other. They aren't playing for each other. It feels like when Kyrie's out there, it feels like Kyrie's getting his and they, and they might pull out a win, but it's the, the dynamic is off and, I feel like perhaps that there's a switch being thrown. Like, well, I'm not in this. I'm not as engaged. I'm not part of this. And the Laker game, right? How many times in a row did Kyrie drive and try to create his own shot? Now they were had the lead. If they get that that rebound, it's over. They win the game. But there was you know the one the time when he uh, he lost the ball on the, on the going to the basket on the right side there. Tatum's wide open, right? Now, that ball should swing, I think. The ball should swing. But Kyrie is so good at finding those spots, so good at creating those difficult shots. That type of confidence is what you need in that guy to make the big shot in the playoffs. But it's counterintuitive to the way that that Brad, I think, has coached these guys, to your earlier point. I just think there's got to be – it's basketball, right? It's not like rocket science. It's basketball. 
the ball moves, people get open, you get shots, right? And and somehow, it, is it on Brad Stevens to make Kyrie Irvin pass the ball? Somewhat, but maybe there needs to be a better realization of who's responsible for what. If no one can understand that, if no one can come to the table and meet in the middle and be like, look, we understand fourth quarter is Kyrie's time, then that's a problem. If they can't figure that out, that's, that's going to be an issue because it is Kyrie's time. That's what he's best at. But Kyrie needs to share a little bit too. It, it, it has to be a two-way street, and he has to recognize that. I'm not saying he's selfish, but I am saying that it is a different uh, mode of thinking, and there has to be a lot of flexibility. And at this point, we're 35 games left to go. The fact we're still having this conversation is insane. Uh, yeah, it's completely insane. And and I, that's what I mean about the shifting the gears. Like on the one, it's almost, it's more the absence of Kyrie completely, um, in the midst of a game because they approach the game planning and everything else differently. And that's when I don't think they can shift. I mean, even the rotations are all different. You know, the whole, it's so like, yes, when he's not there, they come in and it's almost like they're playing like last year and everybody kind of slots back into that and they know exactly what to do. Terry Rozier's probably only had one or two bad games when Kyrie's been out and he's been slotted into much more increased minutes. He responded very well to not getting traded at the deadline and stepped right up, you know, in many ways. I think he's played a lot better, but um, and it's probably a, a relief for a lot of those players. You know, even Mook talked about that, and we're about to get to him in a second. But it's the shifting of the gears that they're really not capable of, which is bizarre to me. And they do play different, but they also hit these scoring droughts. That That's the one thing. It's not just the fourth quarter, and this is kind of what I was getting at with the Clippers game. It's the scoring droughts. When they're finally just dying, like Brad will just sub Kyrie in a little bit early, to go steady that. He'll just say, all right, Kyrie, go in there, manufacture some offense. And then everybody kind of, he's like the rudder. All of a sudden, everybody kind of straightens up. They do the right thing. They get back into their groove. They play hard defense, you know. But somebody last night, again, well, I guess it's two nights ago now for anybody who's listening, but somebody on Saturday night, probably Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris, who seemed to be riding the ship a little bit earlier in the year, needed to yell at somebody on the court. Wake the up. You know, wake up. We can win. Even if we can't score, we can win this on defense. But are you kidding me? This team, the Clippers, I mean, just traded for all these players, have absolutely no chemistry, and Shamit is raining threes. I think he hit four or five in a row before he finally missed one. That's disgusting. You get beat by Lou Williams, so be it. I get it. One of the highest, I think he's the second highest fourth quarter scoring you know, player in the league behind Harden. So, so be it. I get it. That guy can get hot. But Shamit, who couldn't even crack the Philly rotation, he's just coming out and, like, knocking down shots on you and kicking your butt. It's despicable. And and somebody somebody at least should have gotten physical. And you know what? We're going to go to the ad read, but when we come out of it, we're going to talk about Mook because yeah. that's exactly what Mook's said. You know what I mean? So we have one piece of this team that's able to correct it when it's – Kyrie going out and manufacturing offense, but there are other things that need to be corrected on defense that are not Kyrie's responsibility that this team absolutely can do. So before we get into Mook's comments and hit all of that, this was definitely another huge week across the NBA. We had exciting matchups. They didn't go the Celtics way, and we also 
had a trade deadline that came and went to the Celtics' benefit, and that'll be something we'll talk about in the second half. But there's only one place to get in on all that action, and that's betonline.ag. We're talking sports, casino, virtual casino, you name it. Betonline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. If you use promo codes CLNS, 50, you will get a 50% cash back bonus on your first deposit just for signing up. The game of the week, John, you tell me, what's the Celtics game of the week this week? <laughs> Philly! No, Philly! No, no, it's the Philly! One. <laughs> yeah, it is Philly. Coming up. Oh, no. Sorry, I put you on the spot. It's totally the Philly game. So that's the one to play. Go online or use your mobile phone to sign up today at betonline.ag. Wake up. I just woke John up. Now you wake up and try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action with every play. And remember, you can go to clnsmedia.com slash win to use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% cashback bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, John, let's talk about Mook. Did you like that? I totally put you on the spot. I did. No this idea was coming. This is a this is a midstream outtake. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the last two games were outtakes. Uh, yeah, no doubt. We could just cut them out and put them at the end of the season. It's like, yeah. this didn't happen. This is what you didn't, didn't see. Happen. This it's is the point. extras on the DVD. <sighs> yeah. Just because we know it didn't, shouldn't have made the final cut. All right. So Mook is, Mook is saying there's a lot of players that aren't playing like they should have made the final cut. He's saying there's no heart. They're not having any fun. And this is what I said last night. I was sitting and watching with my dad and my son and you know, it's just us hanging out for the weekend and we're watching the game and it just starts to slip away. And I'm just like, I just hate their attitude. And it's infectious because my attitude was bad. As I watched the game, my attitude deteriorated. Their attitude sucks. Just the whole way they approach it, the way they approach each other. And he said, there's no team. It's just individuals. And I don't know if it's roster construction. And we've talked about it since the beginning of the year. It just may be too much talent, too many different pieces that don't work together. They're going for it this year, but we'll get to the trade deadline in a second because they're really swinging for this offseason. That's pretty clear at this point, or they would have made a deal at the deadline. We'll dive into that. But Mook has got it nailed. That's the hammer on the head. This team crappy attitude, not a team. And we can say it's not Brad, but it's all of them. They all share in this responsibility. And until they all see it that way, they won't be a team. Yeah. And I I think that's right. I think he, he put the nail on the head. They don't play for each other. They don't cheer for each other. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't get up and, and, and I think some of that's the energy of who they are, the type of players they are. There's a lot there's fewer Marcus Smarts and, and Marcus Morrises, uh, and there's a lot more Jalen Browns and Gordon Haywards and, and Kyrie Irvings, kind of low energy guys that are kind of do to do, you know, um, and not like Sparks, you know. And the fact that you've had to include those two guys, those guys that would bring that energy, who would kind of spark the team and include them in the starting lineup because you had such low energy in that in that first group that now the bench just looks like it's a comatose unit at times. Uh, you know, and I and I sat, you know, I was watching the game, uh, the game I went to, you know, I was just sitting there watching the bench, just watching the bench, looking at the, you know, the the people getting up and cheering, you know. I will say Kyrie was one of the few that got up and cheered. He sat on the bench most of the time, you know, even when things were going well. Sitting next to Mook, Kyrie, Mook, and then other players. And 
not a lot of, you know, rah, rah stuff. Now that doesn't mean, I'm not saying that they wouldn't or what have you, but it, there's a disconnect there. It's clear. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, there's bigger questions. We talk about that free agency questions, you know, later on, but this answers the question. Why don't they get, why aren't they playing well? It's because they're not connected emotionally. They are not in league with each other. And they are in league when they, you know, when they play well and when they're on the court together, um, without Kyrie, but there is this, this, you know, kind of duality to it, that bipolarness that you talked about. And it's gotta change. It's just, it's gotta, for them to be as good as they want to be, they have to place value on his talent. But on the other hand, and, and they've got, so they've got to give less of themselves in terms of scoring, more rebounding, more defense. And on the other hand, when he's not on the court, they need to, to step up. It's, it seems pretty simple, but for whatever reason, we're 45 games in and we're not any closer to the, to the answer. No, we're really not. <laughs> and you know, you look at just to your point, like even on the defense, it, it wasn't just closing out shooters. It was the communication because if they had rotated and done their switches quicker, they might've gotten to the player to close out. It's almost like they gave up because their communication was so poor. There was no point in even trying to close out because they'd never get there. And then it's a wide open corner three, or it's a wide open, you know, just at the, the 45 degree angle along the three point arc, you know, it's just, they're just not getting there because they're not communicating. And, even Al Horford, you know, he's kind of like the linebacker out there, right? He needs to get more vocal. This is, and I, I have almost never, I almost never talk about Al Horford on the show, to be honest with no. you, but right. he doesn't get a lot of play because he's so silent. He's that silent partner, but honestly, he's the guy. We, we thought, oh, Jalen Brown did this. Didn't he correct this by saying what he said? And then, you know, but we had said before that, didn't Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart correct this by going, but nobody's corrected it. You know whose responsibility it is? I'm certain of it now. It's Horford. It's time for Horford to get pissed. It's time for him to speak out and he needs to start demanding and directing the defense. Let Kyrie be the guy who's the stopgap on offense. Every time they hit a scoring drought, when he's healthy, he goes out there and he manufactures buckets. But when they suck on defense, I'm putting it on Horford. He's oh. got to be the Teddy Bruschi. He's got to be the guy in the backfield that's shouting out the switches and telling people what to do because he's the smartest defender on this team, and it's not even close. He may not be the most physical. He may not be – and he's physical, but you know what I mean, aggressive physically. Like he's not going to be the guy to do the hard foul. He, you know, he's right. playing smart, but that's the reason he needs to be vocal, and I'm not – I'm not throwing him under the bus because I don't think he's doing his job. I'm just saying that he's the veteran. He's the oldest guy on the club, essentially, at least at that talent level. Um, I think Baines might have him by a year or something like that, or maybe he is the actual oldest. But he's right there, top two. He's been in the league a long time, and he knows where guys are supposed to be, and he needs to start telling them where they're supposed to be. You know what I mean? Calling them out. That's At this point, it's his job. I think you know we've seen in the past that he has played – uh, less aggressively and less, um, Al Horford like when we, ha- when he doesn't have Baines behind him. And I think that's part of this, uh, whether it's because he's exhausted, because he's, he's doing more battling, whatever. I mean, Harrell was killing them. Absolutely. I mean, really, I think when you want to look at when the game changed, Harrell's aggressiveness, his intensity, uh, his, his, his energy really, I thought, was when the the ball when things really turned around the Celtics were playing badly, no doubt. 
But I thought really the energy changed when Harold, when they were blitzing the pick and roll, they're blitzing, uh, you know, Hayward when they were trying to run him as point guard. They were, you know, really trying to, and, but also his rebounding, his defense. I mean, he had oh, they struggled with athletic centers. 20 points. They struggled with athletic centers. 100%. Yep. Yeah. 20 points, a whole bunch of rebounds, a whole bunch of hustle plays, some wide open dunks coming right up the gut. Yep. Um, absolutely. They need somebody with a little bit more physical prowess, which means you're moving Horford to the four. If you really want to win championships against athletic centers, teams with athletic centers, and that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem because you're already slotting a Tatum or a Hayward. You're trying to fit these pieces who plays the, you're already trying to get a long four in there and Horford at the five. This really presents a problem for the off season that I think is going to continue to uh, come up in conversation with us. Um, over the next several months. You know, the, the Celtics in these two, two games went from third to fifth just like that. They were on a super winning streak. They were playing great. They were really starting to get – seemed like they were starting to get things together. And then, you know – and it did happen last year. They had this whole pre-All-Star break kind of hiccup. Like they were already ready for a break, but it hadn't come yet because they let it come a week early. It's right around the same time of year, right, when uh, Marcus Smart – punch the the glass you know in a hotel room on a on a picture frame or whatever it was things were pretty low last year we were calling this team out so uh sailboat studios on twitter you know it's kind of calling me out on this last night as my attitude was getting negative and and he's right this did look like this last year and then they did sort of rebound after the all-star break but maybe it's because we do get upset maybe there's a role for fans here to call this team out so when they come out of that all-star break they get their crap together because we shouldn't tolerate it this team is better than this and this team is better than they were last year and they need to start showing it i yeah i think that i have i'm less concerned with the wins and losses right now than i am the the dialogue and the chemistry of the group you know i mean look the fact that they play their best against the best teams matters to me Right. I think that's important. I think when we get to the playoffs, that will, that will matter that we're not going to see. I don't think we're going to see games like this. Okay. I think that everyone is going to be better ensconced in, in, in their role. My concern is they're not going to be as, as unified as they need to be, uh, when they get there and they're going to be, they're going to have to dig themselves out from fifth in the conference. They're going to have to go on the road and win three straight playoff series on the road if they keep going the way they're going to get just to get to the finals for the, for the chance to play against the, the Warriors. And, you know, look, if they do that, hats off to them. But what we see tonight is that, well, they might, you know, letting those things slip, you know, if a close game and you're, you don't have home court. Boy, things get a lot more difficult, don't they? <laughs> you know, I mean, the, those games in Philly looked completely different than the ones at, at, in Boston. You know, they were close. They were, you know, there was a battle. We had the confetti gun, all that stuff. If if the roles reversed and you barely squeak out, or you're lucky to get one at home, that you're always going to be chasing your tail. And it feels like this team is always chasing its tail, always trying to get to a spot and never kind of succeeding. And the facts, let's talk about this. And I don't know if you're ready to go there, but I'm, I'm going to just mention it. The, the healthiness and, and health, but mostly the happiness of Kyrie Irving is pretty freaking important when you talk about how this team is comprised in 2019, 2020. So if, even if you want to throw away this year, you need happy Kyrie. You're talking about so that way. Health. 
You don't even talk about on. physical health. You're I'm not talking about physical health. There's I'm a reason, the there's a reason yeah. they didn't trade Terry Rozier. To, I mean, part of it's because he's a restricted free agent, but the second part of it is that that's the backup plan. They actually like the way this team plays without Kyrie. Do they want that to happen? No. They want to be able to keep Kyrie so that they can get Anthony Davis to sign an extension, and they want to get more and more talent. So we absolutely have to talk about that. But the backup the backup plan isn't so bad. And when I say I don't like this team, I really like the young guys. We talked about this. We're falling in love with the Jalen Browns and the Jason Tatums and the Terry Roziers. And now Marcus Smart is hitting three-pointers. And, you know, there's there's players on this team that we've really enjoyed that might not be on this team next year. And that's actually becoming a bitter pill to swallow, even though you're getting the best player in return. And it could be great. But I'm at a point where I don't care. Like, I get it. We have to worry about Kyrie's attitudes and all that. But I enjoy watching the young players. I said that's why I was in. You know what I mean? That's why it was entertaining. I like watching them come on the rise. And based on the way they played last year, you can't sit here and say that they're not that far away from being a contending team, especially if you give it another four or five years. Even if Brown and Tatum and all these guys stay, if they don't trade away one of these max deals, Hayward or Horford in this move for Anthony Davis, they're going to have trouble re-signing these guys anyway. They might be able to, you know, match a restricted free agent deal depending on how they finagle things. But that's why these people are going to be, we're going to lose Tatum in the Anthony Davis deal. The more I think about it, the more I realize it's Rozier, it's Brown, it's Tatum, and it's whatever picks we have left depending on how this all plays out. And that's, that's going to be the deal. And they're going to have said fourth player that they want to sign here after the, uh, you know, based on who's left after all the cuts post trade deadline. They want to get about $5 million in a two year deal so they can make that work. Those numbers get you where you got to go. It's pretty clear to me that's the deal. If you look at the Lakers deal, you definitely would rather have a rosier and well, actually I think smart may be in that deal. Sorry. We need smarts money. So, uh, it's smart, rosier, brown and Tatum. And then said fourth player, whoever to fill salary in a bunch of picks that beats the Lakers deal. That's the one that's probably going to happen. And it makes sense just because how can they resign these guys if they keep them anyway? So the backup plan to Kyrie not being happy is see you later. And, and I'll suffer through that. And I won't be cantankerous if we don't get Kyrie and Davis. I'll actually really enjoy this team. And maybe they'll get their crap together again and they'll be this fun loving team. And they'll be like, you know what? Now we have something to really prove. Because they were going to trade us for Davis, and they didn't. And Kyrie walked on us. They're going to have a big chip on their shoulder. They're going to play above level, way above level, which is how Brad has absolutely coached his way to stardom. That's what he does. So I don't think plan B is really that bad. At the same time, the shortest way to a championship is to have Hayward get healthy, keep Horford on this club, add an Anthony Davis, and make sure Kyrie's happy. Make sure that that engagement does become a marriage on July 1st per Danny Ainge. And, you know, that's the shortest path to a championship, there's no doubt. So I don't think plan B is that miserable, but I think plan A, you're right. Kyrie's got to be happy. And if the locker room is a mess, Kyrie ain't staying. He's just not staying. And that's the problem. I, that's, that's what, to me, it, it, it may be, it's also, it's the shortest distance, but it's also, you're adding a 26 year old top four NBA player, uh, you know, and likely securing another top 10 NBA player to, to go with your, I mean, team. That, that's, that's enough to contend right there. You know, I mean, no matter, you want to look at what Philly's done, you want to look at what the others have done. I mean, that right there is alone is enough to, to put you at the top of the East. So, and for a long time, 
given the ages. Does it concern me that we have this duality and this, um, you know, bipolarness of, of the team? Yeah, it does. You know, it, you know, wanting to, is it, is it Kyrie's fault? Is it all these young players fault? Um, you know, it doesn't, it, there's, there's no good answers out of that, you know, other than you want them both to kind of meet in the middle and figure it out because quite frankly, this team, this team and even the future of this roster uh, or this franchise, I should say with Kyrie, you want to believe that Kyrie as a leader uh, can can take whichever talents he has with him, help to to fit them into what he's doing as the team's leader and team's point guard, and lead to a successful uh, run. If if he can't do that with this group, that's more talented, but probably desiring of more uh, say and more shots and more uh, prestige of what they do, then. That obviously causes questions entirely about whether or not he can do it. Is he good enough? I, I don't want to. I don't think that's that's reasonable. I think we've seen enough out of Kyrie to think that he can do that, and that should work. Uh, there's a reason why players wow. all across this league are clamoring to play for him. It's not like because oh well, you know, you know. Jalen Brown and, and Terry Rozier uh, are having a hard time. Uh, geez, I don't know if I want him to play with me in New York. Trust me, it's not slowing anybody else down from trying to get him. So it yeah, seems no, like you're it's right. more Here's than why. on, than on yeah, him. I get that, and you're right. I do think the health, though, the health factor, the fragility is a concern. I know we're talking more about sure. the mental health here as being the yep. bigger issue, but it is a little bit of a gamble that way, and I think it's one that's worth noting. At the same time, He's been hitting clutch shots in big moments on the biggest of stages, including one to take, you know, Cleveland over Golden State. Those are the things championships are made of. And that's what makes him so valuable and why players want to play with him. He's just got ice in his veins. We saw it from Isaiah Thomas, but whether or not Isaiah Thomas could do that at the on the biggest stage was the biggest question mark, right? So let's wrap this uh, show. We've got two things. We just want to kind of wrap up the trade deadline. I know we already talked about Anthony Davis, but obviously – a big, <clears throat> a big turn of events because that leaves it on the table. I never had, I, I'm going to be honest with you for the, probably the first time in forever. I really didn't pay attention to the trade deadline. I was largely unconcerned. I knew Anthony Davis wasn't going anywhere. More options on the table means a better bidding war. The Pelicans were smart. There's also uh, the signing and extension factor that raises Anthony Davis's value in the offseason, which they really can't do right now. So all signs pointed to him hanging out. I knew the Lakers weren't going to get him. Um so the trade deadline came and went just as we expected it to, and he's still on the table. Uh, I will say Philly got pretty strong. We're going to see them coming up, so we can kind of use this trade deadline conversation to also leap into, you know, our predictions for this week. And um, Philly gets stronger. They, they add um, Tobias Harris onto that starting lineup. There's a lot of people out there saying it's the best starting lineup in the NBA. I still question that against the Golden State Warriors by far, but <laughs> but they did get a lot stronger, and now they're ahead of us in the standings, and we've got to face them on Tuesday night, two more games before the All-Star break, a back-to-back against Philly and Detroit. So uh, your thoughts on, on Philly at the deadline and then your predictions for this week because I'm going – uh, 0-2 for the Celtics. I think it gets worse oh before it gets better. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Worse, worse. Kyrie's out until after the All-Star break is my prediction, and it gets worse before it gets better. 
I think, yeah, we, so when we're recording this, we, we are not, we don't know what the results of, um, you know, what tests happened to his knee. So we're kind of guessing at this point. He did bang these. If it's a bruise, yeah, there, he's, he's going to sit and won't play. He probably won't even play in the all-star game for that matter. Um, which would give him really almost two full weeks to be able to recover, which would be kind of nice. Um, but he's had a lot of rest, so I don't feel like, you know, he's overworked at this point. Yeah, I, you know, Philly does look, I mean, they've, they've gotten a lot of talent there. Um, I still think they're thin. Uh, I don't think their bench is much. You know, we're going to see what the buyout market is. Of course, we didn't talk about the fact that they, they did send Jabari Bird, it's all sent Jabari Bird away, um, you know, to Atlanta. So they have an open roster spot. We'll see what the buyout situation doesn't seem like that's going to move quickly for the Celtics. Um, I, I, I think Philly did well in terms of adding talent. I still don't see who's going to guard Kyrie Irving on that team. I think that that's a real problem for them over the course of a, of a seven game series. I think that's going to be an issue. I, the Celtics have a ton of people who are Tobias Harris's size. In fact, you could argue it actually helps them in some way to have, have Tobias out there. Um, and not have a smaller guard who they have to keep track of. I mean, basically it's, it's Redick and then a whole bunch of six, seven and, and larger guys. So uh, I think that that in some ways it helps, but obviously more talent is um, not a good thing in terms of coming the Celtics way. Gasol, speaking of Toronto, not a concern to me at all. Uh, that doesn't worry me. In fact, I think Toronto hurt themselves probably more at the deadline because I thought their depth was a bigger issue. So, Looking ahead to the week, I'm going to say one and one. I think they do get the one in Detroit uh, on the second half of the back-to-back. I just don't know if Kyrie is going to play in that Tuesday night. That's, I think without Kyrie, it's going to be really tough to beat Philly. Doesn't change how I view Boston and Philly in the playoffs, but I think just trying to get them on a Tuesday night just a few days after whatever happens to Kyrie's knee that doesn't make me feel a whole lot better. Although on the plus side, they said he walked out of the arena last night without much of a limp. So I um, just think they're going to give him the rest and they know that the team, like if he goes out and then he pulls out in the middle of the game, they got the same issue that they had with the LA Clippers. I think the best thing for them to do is to let him just take the whole time off. Um, don't let him play at the all-star break. I mean, at the all-star game, take him out for that weekend, let him get healthy, let him stretch out, let him strengthen around the knee, all of that. There's no point and him playing in the all-star game other than helping out the NBA. And we need to be helping out the Boston Celtics right now. So they, I say, don't let him play. Give him the rest. If he doesn't play the two games before the all-star game, you're setting precedent about why he wouldn't play in the all-star game. It's less of a question. If he plays those two games and then gets a bunch of nights off and doesn't play in the all-star game, the NBA has got more pressure. I think they sit him regardless. It's their excuse for keeping him out of the all-star game. They put a little pressure on him to say, let's make sure you're right for the final stretch here. And then, um, you know, the Philly game would obviously be an opportunity, as we said, for the young players to kind of show that they know how to play and beat a team without Kyrie, especially from the start. So there is, I think if they do win a game, I'm actually saying it's the Philly game and not the Detroit game. I think the second night of a back-to-back when they're lackadaisical is going to sneak attack them. If they do win one, I'm still going 0-2, but if they do win one, I actually think it's Philly because they got something to prove after two tough losses. And they seem to rise to the occasion against some of these better teams in the East. You know, it's really only a five-team race. There's three others that are kind of sitting at the bottom that are muddling around, but there's five really good teams in the top half of the East. And so I, I think there is a chance 
that they come out with some fight and really try to prove themselves in that regard. But that's going to do it for this week's show. Broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelson, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. Dude, the game of the week definitely wasn't Detroit. <laughs> it might be, though, in the end, right? Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, if they go 0-2... Holy shit. They're man. going 0 and 2, dude. I'm telling you right now. That happened. Brutal. Oh, the wheels come off. The wheels come off the cart. Everybody is doomsday. You know, even if Philly beats us, even if they get a win the last game before the All-Star break, nobody's going to care. It's not going to change. If they lose against Philly after losing the two LA games, I mean, just think about it. Where did they chant beat LA? Right? And then, I mean, the whole rivalry connection here, nobody's going to tolerate it. They lose against Philly. It's going to be doomsday, demise. This team stinks. It's going to be worse than it is today. And it won't matter if they beat Detroit because it's going to be like, well, they should have beat Detroit. They well, have to win. If he doesn't play, I don't think it'll be that way. I think it only, it'll, if, if Kyrie, if, if he's, oh, he's fine, he'll play and they come out and play like this, then I think you're right. Then, then it would be doomsday perhaps, but it, with so much question about Kyrie and all that, I, it, it, they may get a bit of a reprieve on that end of it. You know, the, the bigger issue, I tell you, here's the thing. If they go out without Kyrie and they beat Philly, like so convincingly, that, that might be more of an issue. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that would, that would be, I it's mean, definitely something ball, that, but. For, yeah, but for the people who are going on the youth movement that say, let Kyrie walk right. and don't right. give up Tatum for Davis, right. he's the future, you know, that will definitely, you know, it isn't just that team that's divided on the inside. It's, it's the fan base is divided on the Completely. outside. Completely. It's, we are emulating the exact issues that are going on with the team, the way that we as a fan base are value. I mean, we literally get in an argument every time my dad and my son and I watch the game because my dad's like, there's Terry Rozier. That's a crazy move. I mean, he might not have even done anything, but he just keeps sticking it in our face because my son and I are both in Kyrie's camp. Like we need a guy who can hit big shots. And my dad is like, no way. He's like, let him go. He's fragile. We don't love him. He's not, you know what I mean? He's a cancer in the clubhouse. He's causing these problems. Terry's a guy. You got to roll with the young players, you know, and there, my heart is in that, but my mind says we need players who can dominate the game. Usually the team with the best players wins and Kyrie is, you know, he's like big shot Bob, except right. not a role player. And right. you need a guy like that to carry you to the championship. Right. Right. I mean, when they go oh for fourth quarter, oh for the fourth quarter there in Game Seven against Cleveland, right? I mean, you don't think it wouldn't help to have Kyrie out there to steady the ship? You know, I mean, that's the yeah. that's the the thing that you kind of go back to is like for as great as it was, how Rozier played against Bledsoe and you know all you know Brown when he was hurt playing against you know the Sixers. 
the, the, the walk away is it's seventh game, fourth quarter. You had a lead. You should have had the game and you couldn't make a shot to save your life. And, and Kyrie would have made a shot, you know? Now the problem is maybe no one else is playing defense because they're not getting the ball. I mean, that's, and that's the, the, the piece of it. It's like, okay, well, there's gotta be some give and take here. You know, it can't be like, why the hell is everybody so miserable? If you're winning, why are you miserable? Right? Play, man. Just freaking right. play for each other. Win. That's and why not just about. have some fun? Like go out there and try to one up, not one up each other, but you know what I mean? Raise the bar for each other. Yeah. You know, that's really where it starts to get to be a lot of fun. But I don't know, dude. To be continued. I'm ready for the all-star break. You know, I don't watch anything. We'll, we'll come out of the all-star break and I'll be like, yeah, I didn't watch anything because I think it's horrendous. I don't watch the Pro Bowl. In football, I don't watch any of it. So this will be a, this will be a little bit of a break from, from my negativity around this team for a week. Too. <laughs> All right. Let's close it. All Say, right. Go ahead. You can finish. You can finish. And then that'll no, be that. No, I, you know, I like the all-star game. You hate it. It's, you know, I think it's fun. I don't, the game itself, I'm not as much a fan of, but I like the, the all-star Saturday and all that. I think that's fun. So. All right, well, enjoy it. You can give me the cliff notes when it's done. (laughs) (laughs) Right. right, That's a wrap. All right, see you, man. Bye.